This is episode number 128, a New Year's special. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. With COVID-19 and a myriad of other disruptions continuing to challenge global supply chains, 2021 has proved to be another year filled with complexity and a number of learnings for supply chain leaders. In this episode, I'm going to be reflecting on some of the standout messages from my conversations with so many senior practitioners, thought leaders, and world-renowned authors that I've been lucky to have this year. Kicking off this New Year's special, I want to draw attention to the enlightening discussion I had with Dory Clark. She's a top 50 business thinker and author of The Long Game. Dory paints a very accurate picture of how the perception of supply chain radically changed thanks to the pandemic. COVID has essentially grabbed everybody by the collar and shaken them. And so if supply chain did not necessarily get the full respect that it deserved before, now it commands that respect. And so I think that there's a sense of understanding about the urgency and the importance of what what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. So I, I think that that's one asset that supply chain executives now have in their back pocket. The outcome of this newfound attention and respect that supply chain received has been a game changer for many leaders. They gained a level of support from their boards that some of them had never seen before. And with this, many of them accelerated their digital transformations in in a bid to upgrade their supply chain operations to meet customer demand as efficiently and as quickly as possible. But keeping costs at bay was no longer the key priority. Instead, our supply chain leaders were mostly concerned with reliability, agility, and resilience, which saw them rethink their sourcing strategies and identify and qualify new suppliers to minimize production disruptions. So when asked what his greatest learnings from the COVID pandemic has been, Murad Tamud, the chief supply chain officer of Schneider Electric, said this. Supply chain was often associated to more efficiency, more efficiency, less cost, less cost, less cost. And the reality is the supply chain should be now associated to more resilience, more agility, able to you know adapt very rapidly change the sources of supplies from one to another region from one supplier to another from one factory to another and that costs money and we have to invest quite heavily in creating redundancies creating you know uh, continuity uh, creating again you know two suppliers where you need mm-hmm. only one and that's something that uh, was a big uh, I think it was a, a big wake-up call. We, we, we knew it. We were always like, ah, you know, it costs you, it costs two million here, five million there. We won't do it. We'll do it later, etc. Now there is no more, you know, let's go and let's get that solved. Let's qualify another, you know, sources. Let's qualify another material. Let's get a second factory and let's not put all our eggs in the one basket. That's something that I think we really learned the hard way. I have to With the sustained popularity of online shopping, supply chain leaders' main objective was to better leverage the array of data they were gathering to forecast and sense customer demand. They did this by implementing advanced technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning. 
but this came along with its own set of challenges. Anne Kellyn Keller, the former director of solution marketing at Alteryx, spoke to me about why many organizations struggled to gain ROI from their implementations. Let's let's hear what she had to say. So how then do you deal with, you know, like when people say, well, you need to start using AI and ML and, you know, you need to, you know, you need to move in this direction. No, it, and, it's more like, oh, haven't you seen they're using AI and yeah. ML? You have <laughs> to use AI and ML because, you know, they shame <laughs> you. If not, if you're not, you what? You're not using AI and some of these guys are still on Excel spreadsheets. But whatever, that's another story. That, that's it. That's exactly it. That's how they solve to this problem, by the way. It's just unrealistic, right? I mean, you, you, yeah. you, you just can't move from a plate of spaghetti of data and then all of a sudden just, you know, through a metamorphosis of some kind, right? Yeah. Um, be able to use, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning of some sort, right? It just doesn't happen yeah. like that. And then, but, but and it's not just the technology. You've got a problem with upskilling of people, right? Yes. You have Changing your processes. Change processes. You've got to do everything. You, you said something earlier that a lot of these companies sort of don't know where, you know, where to start to take this sort of leap into digital, to take this sort of jump into a, a different way of thinking. I heard it the other day, I had I had a conversation with someone who said to me, you know, Maria, digital transformation isn't everything it, I thought it was. And I think that there's this attitude. I mean, I'm going to tell you what I think, but you tell me if I'm right, yeah. if you've heard the same, which is most people think that digital transformation is supposed to be this sort of, again, magic bullet that is going to make things a lot easier. And so they, they either don't invest enough because they can't see the return on investment right away yeah. or because they don't know how to invest enough. You know, they don't know where to start, how to implement this. And then you've got a lot of vendors out here saying invest, 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 but they don't take into consideration processes, upskilling people. So what is the whole picture or what is the best way to look at this picture? I would have to say, I think based on my training, I would say you, you have to start with the customer first. You have to start mm -hmm. from the outside in versus inside out. Most organizations look at digital transformation from the inside out, meaning yes. how do I take all this spaghetti, this plate of spaghetti of data everywhere? How do I take this plate of spaghetti of processes as well, right? And now yeah. somehow, blend them all together in a blender and create this new alphabet soup with it that is going to be this magical thing, right? That is absolutely the wrong way to approach it because it's it's overwhelming. And you could just start throwing millions of dollars at it. It'll never stop. My guest, Bhavan Patel, who is the Director of Analytics and Innovation at Johnson & Johnson, highlighted the fundamental question supply chain leaders must ask themselves before implementing a technology solution. And that really stuck with me. Are we able to identify the problems that we want to solve that we have told ourselves were not possible to solve from a lack of technology? In a recent episode, Dr. Alexander Skandalakis, former director of Global Manufacturing Capacity, Strategic Footprint and CapEx at Philip Morris International, revealed a common mistake that leaders must avoid before making the decision to invest in expensive technologies. The next thing that we need to place uh, equal important is to design a solution in the expectation that the solution will help us, not that the solution will guide us to a solution directly. I had the chance to loop a finance leader into this debate and investigated how finance and supply chain can break down the barriers that often hinder supply chain transformation. 
Fred Simoes, the CFO of Customer and Technology Solutions at Novartis, outlined the fundamental reason why finance has traditionally not had the best relationship with the supply chain function and developed a reputation of resisting investment in digital transformation. If collaboration opportunities are, you know, so exciting, then why don't they always work? What gets in the way of, of this collaboration? Generally. And, and it's not only the CFO. <laughs> Uh, well, I was, I'm not saying that I'm laying all the blame on your no, shoulders, no, no. you know, cool. but it just seems, it just seems, and I'm being very generalist here, it just mm -hmm. seems like the CFO usually is the person with, uh, you know, the, 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 the no stamp, you know, no, we can't do this, no, we can't do that, and, and so, so, or what is the reason? Why, why do these collaborations fail? There is not, nothing that makes the CFO more nervous than being asked for a blank check. With all the hype and buzz around technologies like AI and ML, senior supply chain leaders started to think about how they could leverage other assets, like their people alongside technology. How they could combine their people and new technology to better serve their customers. I had a very interesting conversation with James Absalom, group CEO of Walter James and executive search firm, and Dunk Lowe, the head of supply chain for Campari Group. Let's hear what Dunk had to say about this. The reality is the people, the supply chain leaders in those, whether manufacturing, logistics, supplying, still need to have 90% core capability in leading people, in decision making, you know, in, 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 in managing complexity, in managing agility, and not be too distracted by the latest gadget to give them that solution. That gadget will not give them the answer if yeah. they were no good at leading in the first place. While supply chain leaders bear the burden of steering the supply chain organization in the right direction, one of the key messages from my conversations with leaders was the importance of inspiring and supporting teams to help them reach their full potential and see digital transformations through successfully. Donzel Leggett, Vice President of Global Manufacturing Excellence, Global Platforms and Asia LATAM Supply Chain at General Mills, revealed the single most effective way he believes you can inspire people. This is what he told me. So there's no question in my mind, if you want a competitive advantage, uh, you know, you, you certainly can go out and say, I'm going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on the, on the most up-to-date automation system, on the most up-to-date computer integration system, and I'm going to run my business with data analytics. Most manufacturers cannot do that. They don't have the funds to do it. They don't have the margins to do it. And certainly if you're a supply chain leader, you don't have the pocketbook. You can't sign the check to go do that. Uh, the businesses that you know, have to pay for it, the PL has to pay for it. Uh, so the, the, to me, the greatest way still in supply chain to drive competitive advantage is, the, is inspiring your people. And I can tell you multiple stories about that, but uh, let me just give you just one quick example. It starts with purpose. What, what is the purpose of your organization? And it can't continue to be to make more money. That doesn't inspire people. Although many countries were rolling out COVID vaccines at an exceptional rate, many businesses opted to keep their offices closed so remote working continued well into 2021. By now, senior executives had some experience of managing from afar and had tailored their style of leadership to adapt to the new normal. Here's what Leslie Nicholson, SVP Supply Chain Operations and Digital Transformation at Nestle Canada, had to say about her biggest learning from the pandemic. The other thing I think that was a huge learning was 
just people showing more empathy and more understanding and more, I call it accessible leadership. And for some that comes quite naturally and for others, uh, it, it doesn't feel as natural because they've been you know, so professional and maybe a bit protected about uh, showing themselves fully to, to their colleagues, their, their uh, partners in the value chain and, and teams. And I really saw that rising to the top and people developing that a lot more this year. That has been to me one of the best aspects of what we've been learning. Supply chain leaders were also concerned with building strong teams to see digital transformations through. In fact, the topic of diversity and inclusion came up more often than not in my conversations with supply chain leaders this year. There are 7% of women in STEM executive leadership and heads up everyone, we're 50% of the population, so that is not okay. That was Stephanie Holt, a women in STEM advocate who's devoted her entire career to mentoring and supporting women in advancing their own careers. Going further, IBM's global practice leader for sustainable supply chain circularity and social impact, Sherry Heinisch, shared with me her thoughts on supply chain's inclusion problem and her advice on how leaders can address it. What, what often happens is the illusion of inclusion. And when you lift up the rug, like you mentioned, it, there's a total disconnect. It's business as usual. Um, I've chatted several times with actually a guest on your podcast, um, Dirk Hallback, who's at Hinkle. And he's again, he, he's got a fence. Yeah, I know. He's, he's, he's an amazing can you champion. Say? He's an yeah. amazing champion of it. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Yeah. And you need and, champions. That's what I'm saying. It needs to come from the top. I think that's what you're alluding to. It needs to have buy-in from the top and have real commitment. Yeah, but you also have to be pragmatic and set the mark. So you have to measure and have targets and it doesn't have to be exact, but without accountability mm. and a roadmap and then also incentivizing the right behaviors, what we both have found that folks can, folks can fall back into some of those legacy yeah. behaviors. There's been a lot of emphasis on the conversation around people and the importance of creating a culture that brings out the best in them. Quite a few of my guests this year were of the belief that their people were instrumental in navigating the pandemic, and despite all of the hype technology gets, the key to competitive advantage is implementing new technologies, upskilling people to work with them, and attracting and retaining diverse, tech-savvy talent that could help propel the organization's transformation agendas forward. Elsie Osejo, Director of Supply Chain and Sourcing Optimization at Bimbo Bakeries USA, came onto the show to share her story of how Bimbo Bakeries USA leveraged their people and grew exponentially during the height of the pandemic without implementing fancy technologies. Technology transforms what people will be doing, not necessarily cutting heads, if you know what I, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's an understanding that you really need to justify an ROI, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to cut a lot of people. So, so for us, that technology is embedded, but honestly, the people is the one who make the technology successful. Talking about people, 2021 saw a huge demand from employees and customers for sustainability, with governments and regulatory bodies putting a lot of pressure on business leaders to take action too. I spoke to Tom Raftery, Global VP, Futurist and Innovation Evangelist for SAP and the host of the Climate 21 podcast to find out why businesses across Europe especially will be forced to take sustainability seriously. 
The EU signed up in June this year to mandate a 55% reduction in emissions by 2030. Mm -hmm. And that's legally yeah. binding on all 27 nations of the EU now. And I mean, it, it's fine to throw a number up in the air like that, 55% by 2030. What does that actually mean? Well, to put some context behind that number, uh, this 55% is, this is against our 1990 baseline. Mm -hmm. So against our 1990 baseline, we have so far managed to reduce our emissions 24%. Okay. That means we have another 31% to go Yeah. in eight yeah. years. In another interview, Francisco Betti, head of advanced manufacturing and production at the World Economic Forum, told me where the key to sustainability progress lies. If we want to achieve sustainability goals and targets and stop climate change, you know, we do need manufacturing to be working in new and in, and in different ways. Now, once again, uh, the good news, and you mentioned that before, is that with technology, we can make that happen. We are seeing more and more evidence that that is possible. But, but yes, I, I fully agree with you. I think that we, we do have a unique window of opportunity to, and there's a lot of momentum to make change happen. Uh, and again, companies are making commitments by the, by the hour. Every week we see large manufacturing companies going public and saying that they will achieve you know, net zero carbon neutrality by 2070, 2050. And I think that what we need to work on now is you know, how do we bring other players, smaller players on board uh, in that in that journey and also uh, you know how we can accelerate the dissemination of technologies technology is what is going to be what is going to be enabling companies to to reach those goals and targets we need to find a way for the technology to be made available for uh, the broader global manufacturing community many organizations are leveraging technology to edge closer to their sustainability goals I spoke to Chief Strategy Officer Anne Robinson and SVP EMEA Claire Milner from innovation solution provider Kinaxis about why it's time for leaders to build more sustainable supply chains. In this next clip, Anne takes Tom's point about the regulatory pressure facing businesses further. Let's hear what she had to say. Because not only will you be required to do it, you are likely not going to find the best employees unless you do it. And quite frankly, people are not going to be interested in your products and services if you are not deemed as sustainable. Well, there you have it, folks. These were some of the highlights from some of the great conversations I had on the Transform Talks podcast in 2021. I want to take this opportunity to thank every single one of my guests who came onto the show and shared their thoughts, their stories and their advice with us. I hope you've enjoyed tuning into Transform Talks this year, and I can't wait to share some more conversations around supply chain transformation with you next year. I'm Maria Villablanca, and you're listening to Transform Talks. Thank you.